Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm your host, Gary Ware. Today on the show, I have a good friend. I met him at Social Fresh a year ago. His name is Cornflower. Cornflower is, he's a vocalist. He is a beatboxer. He is a one-man jam band. And I am so happy to have him on the show today. Welcome to the show, Cornflower. Thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. Awesome. And before we jump into your story, give our listeners just a quick flavor of what you're all about. Uh, musically or um, by speaking it? Well, just, yeah. Uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. How about musically? Like, I, I, I like that. You know, since you all are, right. you go off the cuff and stuff like that. Let's, there let's we go. do that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that is just breathtaking. It, it's so <laughs> awe-inspiring. I'm always just so energized just to hear people that could do stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, bravo. Bravo. Thanks, man. Cool. So let's let's jump back. Um, so how did you get started? Like, what was your what was the catalyst that that made you want to um, you know to start being a musician? Let's start there. You know, there's. Uh, let me just do a quick skip through the early history. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was uh, 11 years old, I had been at that point mimicking sounds from cartoons, industrial sounds like you know the, everything from doors opening and the phone ringing, and I would just remake the sound. And uh, that was the year, when I was 11, that was the year that Bobby McFerrin's uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy came out. And, oh, my God, it totally drove my family crazy, <laughs> walking around the house, you know. Um, so that was sort of like the instilling of expressing myself vocally. There was a lot of music in the house. We played, like, tons of Stevie Wonder and lots of classics. Um and uh, but then in high school, you know, my, you know, we all go through that teenage jaded kind of breaking free, rebellious, and uh, I did that through music. I uh, organized a band, became the vocalist of a rock band, and and that was my outlet uh, at that time. So that was my first real foray into music. Um, I didn't really have any formal training. I didn't study music. I wasn't in chorus. Uh, it just was naturally there, and. Um, but then uh, it wasn't until I uh, found myself following the band Fish uh, later in later years that um, they just they were uh, almost like music my music teachers. I, I, I watched them play and I, I saw them having this conversation with with each other. But then what was even bigger than that was the fact that I felt like I. I too was a part of that conversation, even though they didn't know me and I was one of however many thousand in the crowd. Somehow it was as if I was a string on this greater guitar of this concert that was happening. And so 
that really intrigued me. And so I, they would be playing and I would be vocalizing my own part over their music. The show would end and I would keep going. And uh, next thing I knew, I would be in the parking lot surrounded by people. Um, and friends of mine just said, you know, you should really, you should really do something with this. And uh, finally got the gumption to get up on a stage and uh, I had a dear friend of mine who was a supporter of that named Bron Carr, who's now a successful uh, juggler slash beatboxer. Uh, the only, the, I think he says he's the world's only juggling beatboxer. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we, we started together in Athens. Uh, we were called The Moment, and it was all improv. And So that was sort of my first step into what I'm doing now. And um, then I moved out to Ashland, Oregon, and have been out here since 2003. And uh, I actually got to go on stage with Bobby McFerrin uh, at a concert here. And, um, and then later that year, got to study with him at the Omega Institute in upstate New York. And uh, we did a five-day master class, which he does occasionally there. And uh, that was the moment when... I first saw myself as a musician. Up until that point, it was just a pure expression of joy and just like if I didn't do it, I would explode. Um, so that was sort of the what, what got me to where I am. That That's really what sparked everything. That, that's great. And so fast forwarding, you know, you've been yep. performing and on stage and inspiring people. Um, what's that? What's that like? How do you like? How do you stay inspired and how do you keep producing music? Can you just uh, take us through through that for a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of different things, but I, I think what keeps me inspired uh, is just following my heart, uh, following the things that um, inv invigorate that sense of joy. Uh, you know, a lot of times, like, like there's stuff like uh, the law of attraction where people say, you know, just, you, you know, visualize this. And what they missed is the feeling, uh, is the true magnet of your reality. And so when, you know, those moments when you were a kid and everything just felt like it was going your way, uh, you're running through a field and like, you know, you're just lit up. If you can remember what it's like to feel that, and then somehow bring that into where you are now, you'll begin to attract things that support that feeling. And so um, I've just, I, I guess I was really blessed with a very loving family that just loved and supported me. And that's, I think, the, the foundation of most of my life. Um, and I see a lot of people who struggle with that and uh, who don't have that support. And so... I would say, you know, the things when I'm down and when I'm stuck uh, are like nature. Being in nature is just the most immediate return to innocence and return to what's real. Um, and so those things really inspire me, just being in nature. Um, what else inspires me? Um, music. I just love music. You know, I hear, I soak up every single style of music. Uh, I was raised on classical, country, funk, uh, soul, you know, I went to ballet, you know, I mean, it was, you know, I was really surrounded by 
tons of different sounds. Uh, my brother then got me on to uh, like Deep House from New York City in the early 90s. And um, so, you know, and then there was Led Zeppelin. You know, I mean, it's just uh, there's so many things to be inspired from. Um, I think maybe uh, when I take a moment and I slow down from the pace of life, that's very inspiring. Um, when I really ground into my body and look at mundane things as these beautiful, radiant reflections of this world that we live in. Um, yeah, those things really inspire me. That's, that's great. And so continuing on with our, our story, what you do is it, it's made up um, and it's <laughs> all just improvised and how do you do that? Because I know a lot of people, there's that fear of walking on a tightrope without a net. Uh, right. Can you give our audience just your take on, on that? Yeah, well, I, ever since I've been doing improv, uh, it's really a reflection of this life. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, humans are just winging it. Uh, most of us don't know why we're here. Um, we're doing we're just sort of throwing ourselves out there we get inspired to do things and we're not sure where it comes from you know and and so we just go and walk that tightrope and and hope for the best and a lot of the times fall but the failures uh and the falling sometimes if you really look at it from a bigger eagle's eye perspective those failures are triumphs because they are the moments in my life i've experienced where the unknown just rushes in so much possibility. Um, things that you would not have thought you would have placed yourself into or uh, uh, ways of thought or things that you would express just wouldn't have happened without this unknown that happens. It's, it's like it shakes your ground and you have to break free from the mold. Um, so yeah, improv is just about yes and. It's about saying yes to the moment and what comes next and knowing that nine times out of ten you're probably gonna fall so the practice for improv is learning how to fall gracefully and so it's about not being attached not being stuck with you know with your ego and not that the ego's wrong but it's just knowing its place knowing the part that it plays and uh, not getting locked into what just happened because it's only an illusion anyway because it's yeah. gone it's not even here anymore yeah so um you know i first stumbled onto improv with my brother my brother's a huge influence of mine um actor dancer singer taught me to draw when i was three uh and uh he was in a troupe uh an acting troupe improv acting troupe in la called um I think it's the uh, Tohu Bohu experience. Uh, and the leader of that troupe is Rachel Rosenthal, who is a pioneer in improv theater. And uh, it was amazing. I, saw, I went and saw them three nights in a row. And every night it was completely different, like on all levels, lights, sound, costumes, themes, you know, plots, twists, everything was just unique. And I just was blown away. And so that really got me going oh wow this is just uh it reminded me of because i was a painter early on in my life and um i was an abstract expressionist 
more so because I wasn't patient enough for realism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so improv is just such a, a fantastic thing because it really breaks you free of your ego. It breaks you free of what you think is right and appropriate and uh, opens you to worlds that you didn't think were possible. Gotcha. And so you studying improv, and I can only assume, you know, from doing improv myself, that that starts to leak into your everyday life and, and how you perceive the world. Can you talk a little bit about that, just from your training and, and how that changed you as a person? Yeah, you know, um, life is full of dynamics. You're constantly having to interface people who each are raised with a different dictionary of life. Um, everybody, we all have the same, we all use the same words, but how we were taught those words, what they mean to us are all different. And so communication and navigating life, work, family, friendships is a constant state of improvisation. Um, you're having to interface with a new dynamic every time you agree to something with someone or something. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen it in my relationships deeply. Uh, when you communicate something and something else is completely expected, and you could have sworn you communicated that so clearly, you know, and, and so instead of going, oh, but I communicated that so clearly, at that moment, you're stuck in the past. You're stuck in what happened before instead of responding to what's now. And so the ability for us to apply improvisation in our lives and not get stuck to our dictionary and understand that there is an open source, constant dictionary of life unfolding and we get to be contributors and editors and curators of that dictionary with each other. And the more that we can be open to this new thing that's happening, because even, you know, you have a, a spark with somebody that sparks constantly changing because our bodies are constantly changing. We're, we're constantly being bombarded with information that's transforming the way we think and feel and believe. And uh, so every time we see somebody, even if it's every day, we're approaching a whole new dynamic. And so we're sort of thrust naturally into improv, and it's only us that thinks that it's scripted. Yeah. So... Yeah, there we have it. Um, so back on track with your career, uh, you started, you know, just exploring. You were taught by Bobby McFarlane, and so how did you just? How did all this stuff started coming together, and and you started performing more, and you know, creating um, uh, your own albums and stuff like that? Can you just fast forward and, and take us on that journey? Yeah. So I think what I'm currently doing, and it's in its current state, started in 04. Um, I uh, threw a festival for a peace movement that failed miserably. <laughs> it was such a great lesson. But it was my first uh, major onstage performance. And it was all a cappella. And uh, back in early 2000s when I was doing it, it was just all a cappella, and it was just a waterfall of sound just pouring through me. I, again, I, 
my study has been through my exhaustive listening and obsession with music. I just I can listen and l- I love everything, and so I'm constantly taking in new sounds. And uh, and then I just uh, ever since I was a kid, I've felt like a superhero. I felt like I had you know like Superman. I felt like I had some mission to accomplish, and um, I think we all do. Uh, and we all have different ways of expressing that. Um, but for me, I always always felt like I had some part to play with people and, and helping uh, just inspire people. And uh, so a lot of the music sort of spawns intentionally from uh, a call to inspire. So that's sort of my draw to the stage. Um, so that, that started in 04, and then 05, I started touring a little bit, uh, all a cappella still. Um, and it wasn't until, God, I think late 2005, early 06, that I was doing a show here in Ashland, Oregon, and my community um, bought me a loop pedal. Uh, it was at the end of my show, it was crazy. I would do three hour shows all a cappella. And it was, it was very weird. (laughs) (laughs) But people enjoyed it. They stayed. I don't know why sometimes, but uh, they did. But uh, at the end of this specific show, they delivered a loop pedal to me while I was on stage. And uh, it was just so beautiful. So at that point, I was able to take all the sounds that I couldn't get out of my mouth at the same time. Uh, and put them into a loop pedal, and so I've been able to develop more orchestration, uh, almost as if there's a band playing. Yeah, uh, and uh, some people call me a vocal instrumentalist or a voiceless. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was a very big turning point having the loop pedal because then I was able to bring out all of these thoughts and capture them, and then riff over top of it. And for Which, our audience who aren't familiar with the loop pedal, can you please quickly just you know, explain what that is, uh, just in case they're trying to uh, follow along? It's uh, it's perfect for improv in that it's a sampler of the moment. Um, you're able to capture as a sample what you just put through your microphone or instrument that's going into the loop pedal. So say I would play a beat. Right, that I would loop it, and it would continue that beat. Then I would bring in a bass line, like that, and then the bass line would be over top of the beat. And then I could put in a, a melody with a guitar riff or some kind of flute sound or violin or whatever I was feeling. And then Usually I would scat. I'm I'm a huge Cab Calloway, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Louis Armstrong. I'm a huge scat fan. It's just it's like the the pinnacle of improv expression to me because it you can take every single letter of the alphabet and just expand and expound upon its potential. And uh, so the loop pedal sort of allows me to do all of these different elements and riffs, and it's a great tool for anybody who has more going on in their head than they're able to express. Uh, yeah. And then you can truly be a one-man band. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that, so that's great. So you have the loop pedal, and it's yes. open new 
doors for you because now you can layer things on. And so how has that sort of influenced and changed your, uh, your it, style? Yeah, it's taken the, the acapella to another level, but I think the biggest is it's taken the improv um, into writing songs. Um, you know, I've always, like I said, I love music, so I love all forms, and I especially love pop songs. I love a well-written song. I love a song that's well-performed. I love that experience just as much as someone completely riffing off the top of their dome, you know, and that's enciphering and stuff like that. It's just insane. But to have that scripted song, it, it was almost like uh, a treasure in a temple that I needed like an Indiana Jones adventure to get to. Like because of my lack of music theory and knowledge on that level, it, it was this golden orb in the distance that I wanted to find. And so the loop pedals allowed me to create songs for the first time. And uh, so my first album was born from a totally a cappella experience. Uh, it's called Journey Into Sound. And it was from a few different festivals I performed and uh, a concert, a sold out concert I did here in Ashland. Um, and those were then combined into the album. Uh, and so because they were all improv, they were all in the moment. But when you listen to it, you'd think that they were songs that I had written. Um, and so I took those ideas from the album and then began to perform those live again, as I did on the album. Uh, and, and then from there, I started to learn about you know, how to open a song, how to close a song, how to have a dynamic in the song that keeps your interest and all these different elements of pop wizardry you know and it's been great um and it's allowed me to really develop my singing voice because ultimately within all the scat and the beatbox i am a singer i love that's that's I, if i was to really go back to the core of it singing is just such a healing experience for the body uh and i love it people that say I can't sing but then drop into a shower and you know or with their little scrubby thing or singing you know it's so healing for your body your body loves your voice it, that's why a lot of people like to talk because it, it makes you feel whole that's something about it it's like the resonant chamber it fills all cells of your body and you just vibrate with your sound um, so the songs and and the from the loop pedal and creating the songs has just allowed me to really adventure that world of developing and writing songs. And so now I'm currently, for the first time, recording these songs that I've written. You know, I've written the lyrics, I've written the changes, I've explored all the areas of the songs. I have over 20 of them, and uh, I think that's really what the loop pedal did for me: is it freed me up and gave me the uh, opportunity to really refine the message that's coming through and, and, and express it in a way that I hadn't before. Huh, this is great. And um, just to quickly recap, because just in your stories, there's so many messages that we can take away from our audience. I, I mm -hmm. think the first one is just letting go. And you didn't let the fact that you're not uh, classically trained or anything get in the way of your joy of creating music you know you had the right mindset and because you had the right mindset it trumped any sort of skill set that you probably could have had trained <laughs> because you just you know went 
And so I, I feel that's a good lesson for yes. anyone, regardless if you're studying music or you're, you're trying to do something else. Right. Absolutely. Any creation, any, any mode. It's, it's like being a father or a mother. You know, you can read books about it, but you're not going to know until it happens. Or it's like reading a book about swimming. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not going to click until you're in the water, yeah. you know. And so you just have to, you just have to go for it. Yeah. And then when you find your purpose or, or what you're calling or what is inspiring you to do this, it just seems like it just all clicks. It does. Um, and does. you have in order to do that, you have to be present and open to things. Uh, cause that was the other thing that I took away from what you were saying. You let everything inspire you. You were, you know, um, all types of music. And, and that's where I feel, um, everyone needs to just take a moment and just you know, experience things and just open, open themselves up to new experiences, whether it's something that you're comfortable with, but just by doing that, all that combination of stuff is going to make you who you are. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a, a tangible takeaway for that that really works for me. Um, because we live in a world that requires definition, it's easy to allow the definition to limit the experience. Um, so in those moments, those quiet moments that you have to yourself on a park bench with your coffee or your iPhone or whatever it is, you're sitting there watching people pass by, instead of letting the mind comment on everything and come up with its inner story and you know create these illusory movies so to speak imaginary movies um, take a moment to watch how the mind defines things and if you can become the observer of that commenting if you can for a moment just pull back from the mind and just not not make it wrong it's a the mind's powerful and it's a great tool and that ability to define and imagine and all of that is so awesome but we tend to let it ha a lot of us don't even know it's happening we think that's who we are and but the mind's just a tool of who we are and so if we're able to pull back from the mind and just sort of watch the commenting just breathe and just watch that next thing you know they tend to have less effect and they start to sort of become more peripheral. And then the essence of what's really happening sort of arises. And then you see this movement of form in front of you. It's, it's less defined. And you see a, this creature fly into this tree. And like you see it and you don't think, oh, it's a bird or a dove or where did that, where, where is it migrating from? You're, you're not thinking about all that. You're just witnessing the beauty of this body in time and space landing into a tree, watching it look around, doing whatever it's doing, looking for food or whatever. But don't fuss yourself with trying to figure out what it's doing. Just take it in. And, you know, great books are written from moments like that. Great you know, movements are started. Uh, some of the best songs are written from stuff like that. And if we can each take a moment, just once a day, to pull back from the world we've created and sort of lift the veil and look behind it, uh, just that moment, even if, you know, you go right back into it right afterwards and 
it's it's hard for people to do that all day. And you know, that's what that's why monks go to mountain sanctuaries is because there's so much it's hard to pull away. But if you can just give yourself that little little piece of time and space to your without the mind's fullness and busyness and can just receive life without the definitions of what you think it is, it is probably the most powerful point of inspiration and 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 energy you can you can access in your day. Yeah. And I totally agree. I recently started meditating and mm-hmm. it was something that was hard for me at first. And yeah. it was because I was trying too hard. <laughs> the mind was in there yeah. and I was thinking, you have to meditate. You have to do this. You have to get into the state of OM. And I was fighting myself. Yeah. And it's like anything, <laughs> when you try too hard, it becomes, you just don't do it. And at right. the moment where I let myself just be okay with things happening, yeah, it got easier, which is, it's hard to explain. No. But there's been studies that show that meditating as little as two minutes every day um can help with creativity it can help with just about everything and i know from my own personal experience just doing that and i'm just things just are okay you know um yeah. and it and it heals a lot of things so yeah I, I totally agree with that and you know one one quick thing about meditation that i've found because i i used to meditate in the mornings for like an hour and um and but but the whole time that i was meditating i was trying I was trying to get to an hour of meditation. I was trying to be a meditator, you know. And uh, I was blessed with the opportunity to go and sit with uh, Eckhart Tolle and uh, be in his audience. And it was great. He was talking about how, you know, he didn't, he didn't diss on, you know, having your morning meditation or your evening meditation. But he said, you know, a lot of people do that and then the rest of the day they're just totally unconscious. So he said the goal of meditation ultimately is that you're just constantly present. Um, And so something that I've started doing, especially if I'm unable to do my morning meditation or I miss miss out on it or if I'm not feeling well or whatever keeps me from it, uh, I try to bookend every every activity with just a a little stop and drop in, you know, and just, just... just a few breaths, not not closed, not with my eyes closed, with my eyes open, fully witnessing everything, taking it all in, and uh, that's that's brought so much more peace to my life um, because it's you know I'll be in the grocery store and say it's a bit it's like I, I got there at five thirty and it's really busy and I'm ready to go and the line's long and instead of going okay I'm gonna wait and be in the process of waiting I just go into my breath and just watch just watch my breath rise up and down and watch people and watch how they're responding to the world around them and it's actually a lot of fun it's hilarious you know you see just a lot of unconsciousness and not in a judgmental way but it's really just a it's like a a statement on humanity and where we're at and and it really is a great reflection to yourself of when we're busy and not thinking and, and things that we'll do and say <laughs> when we're not, you know, really in our center. And uh, it's a great thing. So, yeah, many meditations are really groovy for the busy lifestyle. 
that's such a good tip and <laughs> and you're right it, it's it does help you get through moments like that and you'll be surprised just seeing uh, how everyone else is unconscious and just sort of just floating around yeah yeah uh and walk I, down a city street if you look at people walking down a city street nine out of ten their heads are about a foot in front of their body yeah it's a trip yeah, uh, and a gentleman by the name of James uh, Altucher, I had mentioned him in a number of different episodes. Uh, he wrote the book Choose Yourself, and he said that's a good, uh, good exercise. Um, you know, right. it's just to just, you know, it's meditating with your eyes open, but just being present and, um, you know, maybe just walking down a city street and just focusing on maybe the rooftops or your breath and just being curious about everything around you, and you'll be surprised right. at what just passes by um so yeah this is uh really good stuff and one thing i want to touch on before we yeah. take our break is you know just the point of stopping and and sometimes resetting and mm -hmm. and recently i i know you've been getting ready f uh, for your new album and yep. you wrote on your blog about how you actually your body caused you to stop <laughs> and and reflect so if, if you could just quickly talk about that that story and we'll include a link in the show notes to the uh, full blog post but just okay. what you learned from that um from that experience yeah um you know i came off of a great incredible uh sabbatical last year i, I actually took a year and a half off from music um but i did that with choice <laughs> i personally chose to do that um and uh the the show i did was in december of 2013 and i'm actually doing the final mixes of that live album and that will be available soon but uh so i was in the process this year early this year on doing the mixing and uh and i got in touch with a local producer who'd moved up here from la and um he just loved one of the songs from the live album and said i would like to do a studio version of this and so i thought wow this could be the door into my next studio album so we started working on it and we got the whole song recorded, and then in May and June, uh, I got really ill. I came down with a major staph infection and was on bed rest for basically two months. And, um, you know, it was a forced spiritual retreat. Uh, you know, our body, when we're not listening, will do what it needs for itself, whether you want it to or not. And... Um, it's funny, like we we try to like hurry up and get back into it. It's, our body's like, "Hey, aren't you listening? <laughs> I told you to lay down." Yeah. <laughs> so you know, after you know becoming intimately acquainted with my ceiling for a couple of months, I um, really uh, through that process gained whew, deeper perspective on what's important. You know. Um, it, it's we we can just flow through life. This this life is so uh, it just passes by. It goes fast, and uh, especially with uh, you know my dad always said because uh, I was you know when I was in middle school or something. You know when you're in school and it feels like time is just crawling so slowly, but the more you you know grow up, become an adult take on responsibilities. My dad said, when you take on responsibilities, when those responsibilities start to stack up, the next thing you know, years pass 
and um, and it's really important to take stock in what what is important in your life, who's important, uh, what brings you joy, um, why are you doing what you are doing? Does it fulfill you? Does it bring you joy? Does it does it you know take care of and nourish your soul? You know who you really are. Is it lighting you up? Uh, does, is it lifting you up? Is what you're doing lifting you up? Um, and if not, you need to really look at that. And that's that's really what uh, what I, I got. And you know, even though I, I get to work from home, I have my day job. I'm a digital strategist by day. Uh, you know, you mentioned we met at Social Fresh, and um, that's my Clark Kent. You know. <laughs> Yeah. And then the music's my, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, that that's that that vision of being a superhero from as a child, you know, is is manifested. But um, it uh, it's still, even though I have I, what I feel is the perfect life, there's still a lot of busyness. There's still a lot of choices that I've made that have uh, compromised on things that I don't think we should compromise on. And it's just small little patterns that we don't pay attention to. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really have taken stock on those patterns. And I'm watching my decisions and choices more vigilantly. And um, when I engage with someone, I tune in. Why am I feeling called to this engagement? Does it lift me up? Is it going to lift others up? Um, and if it doesn't fit that criteria... Uh, I usually then ask the question, well, is there something deeper involved in my participation that I don't know yet currently that I need to, you know, follow through with it? And if it doesn't fit any of those three, then I usually will not do it because it, if it's not calling to me on one of those three levels, it, uh, it, it's not where my energy needs to go, you know, and, and it's, um, it's hard because saying no in this world is a very challenging thing. But what you, as you begin to say no, you start to realize that the no is actually a deeper yes to who you are. I mean, freaking, we are like on this blue rock flying at 70,000 kilometers per hour through space spinning it so fast. I mean, and we're breathing. We have, I mean, it's just like, how is this even possible? It's all so beyond me. And, but yet I'm here and this is happening. So don't we deserve to give back to whatever it is that's allowed this process to happen? The, the time and the patience to find out why we're here and what we're doing and is if what we're doing going to fulfill ourselves and others um, and make a difference and uh, it's like it's so important this life is so precious it's fragile like you know I didn't there was times when I was on that bed and I did not know that I was going to get out of it I didn't it was it got really bad it went systemic I, I had no idea what was going to happen next. My family was totally freaked out. My friends were very afraid and, and I was too. There was moments where I just had, was like, wow, how am I going to get out of this? And, but I think we all have to experience that 
the ground floor of the soul, the ground floor of, wow, all my identity could be just like flushed down the toilet, you know, to really do a reboot, you know, and reset like why we're here and what we're doing. And, and uh, I think that has really helped me get clearer on my purpose here and what I'm here to do and feel like I got a little off topic. No. Yeah, no, no, this is all good stuff. And I think one of the big takeaways is just stopping to reflect. We're so busy and, and you're right. It's the fact that we are here like on this, on this planet and things that are happening are happening. The fact we're planted on the ground and yeah, yet we're still flying through space. It's, yeah, these are just, it's fascinating. It, it, yes. And that puts things in perspective of yes. like our problems, which may seem massive to us are just so tiny in the grand yeah. scheme of things. And, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, just, it's okay. You know, just let it go. And then right. the other thing I took away from your story is um, in making decisions, it, it's, mm. you know, what's going to lift you up or, or help you, you know, lift someone else up. And a lot of times, um, you know, we say yes because we think we have to, but yeah. you make a good point. Sometimes saying no is allowing you to say yes. That's it. The high quality no. That's where I was going. Yes. Crucial. It's the deeper yes. Yeah. No's are yeses in disguise. Yeah, exactly. And at, <laughs> when we're in the moment, you know, sometimes it seems like, uh, you know, if, because we're conditioned to, you know, always have to be in the know and, and, you know, go along with everyone else. And if we, if we go against that grain, you know, we feel like we're going to be criticized and chastised and burned at the stake. But, um, you know, by doing that and, and taking, you know, those risks and going with your heart, um, it leads to bigger and better things. So, um, but yeah, no, but thank you for sharing your story. And I feel our listeners, um, can really get a lot you know, from that. And I'm glad that you were able to come out okay. And, you know, look, you know, here you are with us sharing this story today. So sometimes things happen for a reason. Yes. <laughs> Unexplainable, don't know why, but. Exactly. You, know, you got to let go of the why and just go with the flow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we grow from it. Um, so, so now we're going to jump in uh, to what I call the, the lightning round. Uh, and this is where I really, uh, you know, I asked uh, all our guests a lot of the same questions. And um, it allows us to just understand how you tick. And Corfla, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's hit it. Awesome. And before we get started, it wouldn't be a breakthrough cocktail podcast without finding out what you're drinking today. Uh, is there any anything that you're uh, partaking in this uh, morning? Well, this morning, uh, a nice cup of Stumptown Holler Mountain organic coffee. Awesome. And you are the <laughs> second person on the Breakthrough Cocktail podcast that is talking about Stumptown coffee. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, my good friend, Jenna Ward, she actually lives in Portland. And nice. when I went up there in July uh, to visit, she got me hooked on that. And it is quite delicious. <laughs> yes, it's good. <laughs> and uh, I'm just drinking um, cranberry juice. Um, oh, nice. You know, it's 100% juice and, and it right. you know, helps cleanse things out. Yeah, you know, I always do a full, like, 32 ounces of water when I start in the morning. I ha it's like, if you can do that, and even if you do squeeze a lot, uh, lemon, um, but then I'll usually have a little bit of coffee. Uh, 
and then midday I usually hit a green smoothie. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> to, 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 to offset the yeah. acidity of the coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, the, you have like a good concoction there. You, you got to keep it yeah. balanced. Yeah, it, balanced. That, I think that's, that's the main thing here. Uh, so it's the first question for you is, are you a morning person or a night person? I love the morning, but I am a night owl. Ah, Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Um, so do you feel like you get your best work done at night or you're most creative at night? <sighs> yes. Uh, it's so funny. Whenever I lay down in the bed, that's when like a lot of my song lyrics come through. Um, it's, so I end up, you know, just breathing and going, okay, can I remember this? I'll take an Evernote real quick and put it down and see if, if that's enough and I can go to sleep. And if not, I'll usually be up for a few hours writing the music and um, yeah, the psychic space, you know, everybody's asleep. And so you have the, the, the global space to yourself almost, you know, it's like at least your quadrant of the planet that's asleep is, uh, just gives you so much mental room to navigate and to be creative. And yeah, but I tell you the mornings, especially from like four to seven, that's some special time. And so if I can get to bed earlier, uh, I really love, I love watching the sunrise and it's probably the most beautiful part of life. It's the sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing. You know that there's always going to be a new day. It's just incredible. Yeah. Um, and that brings me to my next question is, yeah. you know, you're a digital strategist by day. That's your yeah. hint. And, uh, you're a lyrical masterpiece in, uh, the evening. That's your superpowers. Um, how do you stay organized? Uh, you know, you just seem like you just have things are just gelling. So, uh, do you have any special techniques that you apply to stay organized? You know, whenever, whenever I set up an appointment for anything, it's just straight into the iCal uh, or Reminders app if I'm on the go and I, I'm, you know, on a walk. I have my iPhone with me everywhere I go. Whenever I'm walking or away from work or doing something where I'm using it, I shut it off. Uh, to not have the signal constantly pulsing through my body. Uh, but, you know, the moment I, you know, with Evernote, you can do offline yeah. uh, notes. So I'll I'll do those or reminders, and then I'll just sync it back once I'm needing to get back into work or back into connected mode. Uh, yeah, I use iCal and reminders and Evernote uh, for a lot of my organizing. Cool. Um, yeah. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A superhero, uh, aka a famous musician or a sports star. I was big into baseball and basketball. That's great. Um, are there any books that have um, helped you through life that you would recommend to our listeners? Absolutely, The Power of Now, hands down, by Eckhart Tolle uh, is. You know, I mean, I could list off a bunch of fiction novels and fun stuff like that, but this book really returned me to myself it helped me really understand who i am and and, and my role in the world uh and i think it's uh he offers you know there's a lot of new age and self-help gurus and a lot of them come off as needing you they need you you know because a lot of it's spiritual business you know when it comes down to it uh they're, they're, they're gatekeepers. They've come to a door of realization, and instead of walking through it, they've pointed people. They're just sitting there like selling tickets so that people can come and look at the door. Yeah. And uh, the thing about Eckhart Tolle is uh, he doesn't 
every time I've read anything of his, every time I've seen him in person, he could care less if we were there. You know, he's he would just be sitting on a park bench watching live pass by. And these are his articulations of his experience of what it means to understand the mind and how to be present in the world. And it's just uh, crucial. I think I think if more people were to read that, it would benefit our world greatly. That's great. And if you're listening, don't worry about it. We have, we'll include all of these in the show notes <laughs> uh, so you guys could uh, check it out. Uh, a few more questions, and then yeah. I'll, I'll definitely let you go. Um, are there any quotes or affirmations that you like to live your life by? <sighs> yes. Um, again, not to be redundant, but Eckhart Tolle, uh, this is a great one. Life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you are having at this moment. Whoa. That's It's just, you know, yeah. it, it's as simple as that. Everything that's happening has purpose. As bizarre and random and hard and challenging and all of the different things that we can append to it is, it's just what's happening is purposeful. There's a purpose for it. And you don't need to know what it means. Not now. You will soon. <laughs> it's just, it's, and it's, uh, that's helped me with everything. You know, mm-hmm. getting pulled over by a cop, you know, or whatever happens in our lives that we're like, ah, you know, it's happening. This yeah. is a purpose for it. And all the reason to be present. Um, exactly and just go with the flow and one thing that you mentioned earlier that i want to bring back here is we don't always have to define things Mm. i i feel like we we typically need to you know define what does this mean but sometimes you know there isn't a reason just yet so yeah yeah just go with the flow absolutely awesome uh Two more questions. One yeah. is, since you are music guy, if you had to pick three songs, and it's not just these three songs, but any three songs that would be on the soundtrack of Cornflower's Life, what three songs would be on there for sure? Yeah, I've got I've got three songs, man. Um, the first would be "You Enjoy Myself" by the band Fish off their first album, Junta. It is. Uh, it's just I think. Everything about that song and the adventure of it uh, just reminds me of the power of this life and the, the, the potential available. Um, and the title, You Enjoy Myself, is just so cool. Um, the other, uh, other two, uh, the first one would be An Ending, Ascent, by Brian Eno. And it's off of his album, Apollo, Atmospheres and Soundtracks. He recorded the album. He's an ambient I mean, he's produced like Coldplay, U2, Talking Heads, uh, but he's also an ambient guru. I mean, he's uh, incredible. And uh, he did this album based on what he thought the soundtrack of the Apollo moon landing would have sounded like as music. And so you got to check it out. And, and his name of this song is An Ending, Ascent. And uh, I've told my wife and my family, when I pass away, this song has to be played at my funeral because it just... It, I love it. It's an ending, but it's an ascent. Something like yeah. there's something more, you more. know. Yeah. It's like and then the f- final one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Then the final one is um, 
to build a home by the band the cinematic orchestra uh it's just every time i hear it i get chill bumps and i burst into tears uh it's just it it calls to my soul it it it's haunting um it's emotional it it just talks about this dream of building a home you know what that means to have that and the the emotion of not having it uh yeah you know all kind it pulls on so many emotions of you know losing a loved one all these different things it's really powerful great yeah and we'll include links to all these in the show notes um the last question is if you can give our audience one simple tip one thing that they can do today that will help them find their passion and live an awesome life what would that be ask yourself what does joy feel like? Then once you've begun to feel that, keep your heart, your eyes, and your ears open to the reflections in life that trigger that feeling inside of you. That's your GPS. That's your resonant vibration of joy in your body. And that will be the magnet to draw in everything that you could ever want in this world. So good, <laughs> man. It, it, yeah, everything that you say is just so uplifted, and it just you just have to just let it sink in. Uh, <laughs> it's been such a uh, uplifting talk, and and I really enjoy everything. Um, uh, if you can just let us let our audience know how they can be in touch with you, how they yeah. can um, you know find out when your next album's going to go down. You know, the floor is yours. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, the live album is in the process of getting mastered. Uh, so we're, it's almost out the door. Hoping that's in the next month or two that will be released. And uh, we're doing a digital only release and then possibly a, uh, uh, an actual double disc. It's about two hours and a quarter of just original music. And um, then the studio album is just now starting to be recorded. I mean, it's taken me, what, nine months to work on a single. So wow. we'll see. But uh, I got a lot of friends helping me out, and they want to see it to fruition, hopefully early 2015. But uh, to stay in touch and to know about when all that's happening, go to my website, cornflowermusic.com. And uh, on the home page there, there's a little sign-up. Uh, you click on the sign up and it, you'll get a free download of one of my live performances from 2012, which I'm very happy with and um, get that for free. And uh, when you sign up, you'll get about a month, monthly, if not a bi-monthly email from me, just giving you an update on things. And um, uh, yeah, that's the way to stay in touch. I'm on all social media, you know, even Ello, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Vine, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google Plus, you know, all over the Flickr, Vimeo, YouTube. Yeah, YouTube, if you could go and check out my videos. I got tons of videos of me performing live. That's uh, that's where you really see what I do. So. Perfect. And we'll include all of those in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, that concludes another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. Cornflower, it's been such a delight uh, to have you on the show. I, I, I feel just so much more enlightened and, and, and happier just, you know, having your presence through Skype. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for being on the show and into the audience. Um, you know, to next time, stay awesome. And I think, I think it will be a delight if Cornflower, if you can just play us out today, just 
get us a little riff to send us home. You got it, man. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. My voice is an instrument. My voice is an instrument. Voice is an instrument. My voice is an instrument. My voice is an instrument. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.